What does the film tell us about Utah's loss to Penn State? We're talking about it on today's Locked on Utes. You are Locked on Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Locked On Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube. My name is JT Wistersill, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. On today's show, it's been a few days since the Rose Bowl, so I decided to dive into the tape, look at a few things that really stood out, and in order to dive into the tape, can't just do it myself. I got to have someone on who is also an expert when it comes to tape breakdowns. It's Brian Brown. Brian, talking about the Utes in this one, this game, I just think overall, before we even dive into the tape, just a couple of thoughts, just a few days removed from the game now for me. It's just one of those ones that still stings, especially because I just see some of the special plays and things that Cam was making in the first half back on film, evading pressure, buying time, and doing some of those special things. And it feels like Utah was robbed of a chance of what would have been an incredible comeback that Cam could have led. I said earlier, I still feel like Penn State would have found a way to win that game based on how the second half really just played out, especially with some of those Utah defensive breakdowns. But this is just one where it feels does feel like a missed opportunity just because it's the second year in a row where Cam can't finish the game in the Rose Bowl, which is just a bummer. It is, and it's. It, it, I think the hardest part about it is this is not how the story is supposed to end for somebody of Cam Rising's caliber. Yeah, uh, he's not going to leave this program as the all-time record holder on anything. But my goodness, back-to-back conference champions, uh, first time in in Utah football history. Uh, a true warrior in terms of football perspective. And and I think, you know, given how this week has evolved, I think we can really start to argue that these guys are warriors now. You know, it, we saw a situation on Monday night that that really truly showcases how much players and 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 staff and and, and coaches really put into these games and, and these, you know, these situations. And and this is a guy who played hurt numerous times who stepped up every single time his number was called who I think really did every single thing that this coaching staff asked him to do and this fan base wanted for the most part other than being able to finish the Rose Bowl and it's just you hurt for Cam uh, as a fan it's just you get those uh, the ugly thoughts I call them you know the ones that you don't want to really admit that you have like what like why can't he just stay healthy and this that and the other and listen I think sometimes when we try to put those out loud uh, they either get brushed off or, or other people tell us, no, 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 no. You, like, like, that's not the way you think. We all have those thoughts, right? Uh-huh. It, it's just about understanding what the real important thing is. Um, and, and the important thing is that Cam Rising is one of the greatest to ever do it at, at the University of Utah. And because of that, because of the joy that he's brought us, you know, the uh, bad moon rising playing every single time he'd walk out in the stadium. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm starting to glow and it's not just these great, you know, studio <laughs> lights that I'm starting to turn back on again and 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 showcase here. But uh, I just love Cam Rising. Um, yeah. I love his game, his grit, his toughness. I love his leadership. Uh, I, I am sad that he was never able to go all gas, no breaks, you know, like he was able to do with the truck. Um, because I think where we really saw the greatness of Cam Rising uh, was in that second half against San Diego State where he stepped in and just went full, you know, full bore, played his game, 
uh, and just led Utah back with with kind of with no no holding back. And and you know that's not how Utah's built. That's not how the system is built. That's not how the offense is built. Um, and so I think that's the the part that as I sum up this ramble because um, I get emotional when I talk about Cam, I guess, and just ramble on. But I'm just sad that it didn't end the way that I wanted it to for him. Yeah, he deserved a better ending to the season. It's an unfortunate way it finished up for Cam. But I think overall looking at this game, too, I think one of the things that stood out for me going back and watching the tape, really, Brian, was Cam. And you mentioned a little bit how and sometimes he wasn't put in the best position to maybe maximize all of his talents. The protection in this game, and that was the one thing I think we looked for. It was like, what changed with Bryson Barnes under center? Well, we look at all the plays Cam can make with his feet and how he's able to maneuver in the pocket. When knowing when, okay, I'm going to take off and scramble, knowing when to, okay, I need to move out of the way here, and then I can make that throw. That's something that Bryson isn't as good at, and that really showed up to me because the Utah offensive line, especially in pass protection, they got worked a lot in this game. They gave up six sacks overall. I think the left side of the offensive line, you can see Satawa still adjusting to playing over at the right tackle spot. Michael Mokofisi, Paul Miley a couple times with some blitzes. I can point to a point in this game where, and look, that happens every game where guys get beat a couple times, but it felt like it was a lot. Even Brain Daniels at times was getting beat off the edge by Penn State, and I really felt like the Nittany Lions did a good job bringing pressure, and even when it was just rush four, we're still able to get home and credit those Penn State guys for getting that pressure and I give a lot of credit to Cam for trying to hang in there make plays do fantastic things scrambling because there's not a lot of quarterbacks who could have done more than what Cam was doing and I know a lot of people want to point to like oh for his completion percentage overall that on the game he was eight for 21 but it really going back and watching it just reinforced it that I thought Cam really played well especially I'm going to talk about this a little more later but I want to focus on the offensive line but I do want to defend Cam the receivers were not getting open a ton either they they weren't, and, and some of that is just the issue that Utah has with how they've decided to build this offense. They want it to be based off of the run game and play action, and I think, you know, you and I talked before when we were evaluating this game, and I said I wasn't super impressed with the, with the front four at Penn State, and man, they sure proved me wrong. Uh, this was a very physical group. Uh, yeah, a group that got off the ball well. You know, I thought their interior did a great job of, mm-hmm. of getting push and, and being quick. And that's really where it, it looked like Utah was almost standing flat-footed. You know, it, it, this looked like almost, again, a tired football team that was showing yeah. up against a Penn State team that was super fresh. Mm-hmm. And and you just kind of wonder, why is it that Utah seems to show up for these big games and, and look a little flat-footed, a little, a little bit sluggish, you know, a little reluctant, especially when I didn't see anything in the game plan that looked like it was super confusing and yeah. or... That's a good point you know, that, that, that wouldn't inspire any kind of confidence. And so that, that, that leads me to think that that this is a coaching staff that's really pushing, pushing, pushing that we're going to do the basics. We're going to do it better than them. And, and Utah just got beat on on, your very first play. When you watch it, like Penn state's exploding off the ball and they're jarring guys. And, you know, as you see Logan Kendall jawing with the linebacker there as he's gotten pretty good push on him and, and the guys pushing back and, you know, credit to Manny Diaz and that Penn State crew for bringing some attitude and bringing pressure. Uh, I don't love Manny Diaz. You know, I, I think he gets a lot of accolades for being a very ho-hum coach. Uh, but they definitely brought the fight to Utah, and, and we did not see Utah respond in time uh, like we normally get an opportunity to. And, and a lot of that was Cam Rising leaving the game. You know, my friends at Cover Zero, you and I have worked with them a little bit at the high school level. They sent me a little snippet from – from the Rose Bowl showing a win probability chart. And and the the note there was guess when Cam Rising went out. And and you could see it clear as day that in the graph here it's going up and up. And all of a sudden there's a drastic drop. 
and and that was it for Utah. They were just never able to really recover. And and you know we can talk about the defensive mistakes around the corner too. But it, that's that get off the, the film never lies when it comes to that kind of stuff, right? And and it wasn't so much that you know I, I watched the game first time around. And I thought, man, I just didn't love the game plan. Felt very vanilla. Didn't see a whole lot you know, in terms of doing things differently, different formations, everything like that on the rewatch, it was just, no, it was a lot of Utah just really getting beat to the punch. It really was. And it's one of the things I think that Utah will look back as missed opportunities in a lot of ways. And that's something that goes everyone up and down in, in losses like this, you can point to like, what's the reason they lost? Well, it's a lot of reasons basically. Yes. And we really hit on the offensive side of the ball. We're going to touch on the defensive side of the ball for the youth in a moment, but first want to talk to you guys about our friends at Built Bar. Looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all the fat and calories? That's why you got to try a Built Bar. Built Bars are a fantastic snack, and you can get them now, and you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com. Now you can get them at your local Smith's or Sam's Clubs. That's right. Head to your nearest Smith's or Sam's Club today and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up at four bar boxes of cookies and cream coconut puffs salted caramel brownie butter puffs at your nearest smith's if you're close to sam's club run in grab a 13 bar box with our hit flavors brownie batter churro you can thank me later or you can just thank me now because with built bar you're getting a great deal and a lot of good goodness for your money brian one thing that wasn't good for utah was their second half defense and it really was important that I look at the first half a lot and so many. I mean, if you told me Utah held Penn State going into the game, if you said Utah held Penn State to 14 points in the first half, I'd be like, that's a good performance. And a lot of Penn State's offense in the first half, too, was grinded out. Those were long drives it took them to score. And then it was a big play made on a third down that kind of turned the tide for the Nittany Lions in the first half. And then the second half, it was just so deflating because you get first you get Utah marching down the field on that drive. And then you stall. Um, you mentioned the game plan kind of. I think if Andy Ludwig could have one play back, I think it's the the Devon pass that they tried to go with that killed all of Utah's momentum as he ended up taking the third and made what made it second and 19 after he took that nine-yard loss was a really unfortunate sequence for the Eves that killed all their momentum. Either way, after that, Utah seems like they're getting the momentum back. They hold the Penn State, hold Penn State to two short plays. So then it sets up third and like three, third and two. And then Coach Whittingham talked about it a little bit too, but just the unfortunate sequence where Penn State kind of faked the check to the sideline. And you can see it on the film how many guys are not ready by the time the ball is snapped. Guys are out of position, just a mess. And then they the line snap the ball and boom, they get one 80 yard touchdown. And then on the second long touchdown, touching on that one quickly, it just really felt like another unfortunate play where you have them pinned back in their own territory. Nittany Lions get the protection needed to Clifford to buy the time. And then RJ Hubert just made a little bit of a mistake. Got caught looking in the backfield bit on what he thought was a slant. And then all of a sudden you blink and Nittany Lions have their second 85 yard plus touchdown of the game. And it really feels like it was those two plays in particular that really cost the Utes in this one. Yeah, the, that's when the gap widened, right? Mm -hmm. And this was already a team that was not in good position to come back with a backup quarterback in there trying to throw the football in and, and all the love in the world to Bryson Barnes. He has yep. maximized his talent and potential way beyond what anybody else gave him credit coming into. He is a phenomenal backup quarterback. Yes, uh, just not built to lead against the greatest of the greats in, in college football. And, and you know, I, I will give a lot of credit to Penn State. I underrated them, you know, because I saw them against Michigan and Ohio State and was like, I'm not that sold on Michigan and Ohio State. Yep. And listen, Ohio State played above expectations for me. Michigan played down to them and, and lost to TCU. So yeah. that's part of why we love college football is because it's really hard it's, to know what's going to happen. Um, but I think the basic things that that we've come to know about this Utah team in terms of getting play disparity, that kind of stuff, it didn't happen um, 
the explosive plays have been a problem all year. Uh, I think the hard part about it is is that these explosive plays, like you mentioned, you know, the, uh, especially the second big TD, I believe it was uh, was Smith that, that that caught that reception. Yep. It's just a simple slow go route, right? Mm-hmm. So a slant and go, uh, you know, a, a slow go, whatever you want to call it. And RJ Hubert takes a terrible angle on it, gets super far behind. You can see both the other defenders are playing in the flat there, trying to cover it. It's just, what is it that makes you think that you need to go cover for those two guys who are already there? You know, they're in the in the box in the in the spot that they need to be in. That you're 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 missing on that, and you know that that was the story of this game all game long. Is is step slow? I believe it was yeah. a third and sixteen where Utah had Clifford. And I like to say dead to rights, but he's rolling outside of the pocket. The the pass protection is or the pass rush is bearing down on him, and he finds a guy opening over the top because you know in, in his 16 to 18 20 yard gain out of bounds on the sideline because he's slipped right in between the pocket of two Utah defenders. Where's the communication on that? Why are we having these kinds of breakdowns this late in the season, especially when you look at the defense and there wasn't anything that was too uh, exotic in terms yeah. of of what was happening, so. Uh, Utah started off early phenomenally well, right? And and then you just saw mental breakdowns and mental breakdowns and mental breakdowns. And so it makes you wonder why that's happening. It does. And it, it's unfortunate that Utah found themselves in those positions where it happened. I think the other thing I'll point to towards the defensive side of the ball is something we've simply been talking about all season is the lack of a pass rush in a lot of those moments. And you mentioned there were a couple of times in this game Utah did get home, but there were a number of big plays and big throws too where Clifford doesn't even need to really move in the pocket because it is so clean and he has that much time to throw and to make those plays. And as I mentioned, there's a couple of times that Utah gets home, but whenever you really needed a stop or to make a big play, and we knew this coming into the game, if Utah sent four, it was going to be hard for them to get go- get home. That's how it played out. A couple of the blitzes they dialed up. Utah did get three sacks in this one, but still too many plays in here where I feel like Clifford really wasn't uncomfortable in the pocket and then was able to deliver a big touchdown like we saw on that 80-plus-yard 80, 80 throw he made. When It's unfortunate that it just continued to be one of the, honestly, probably the Achilles heel, I feel like, for this Utah team all season. It, it really was, and, and then you know some of that is just you were introducing a lot of inexperienced guys, guys who hadn't played for a while. Yes. In, into your defensive system. Now you saw a lot of guys really grow. For example, you you know we're talking about inexperienced guys. Lander Barton had four tackles, one sack, and three TFLs. Mm-hmm. That's quite a finish from compared to what he was against State, Florida. Yeah. yeah, like like that's that that's growth. That's what you want to yes. see. And and that's a guy you know, on, you know. We're recording this on the heels of Mo Diabate announcing the NFL. I'm not worried about that position because Lander Barton's really, really good. Yep. And, and I know that he's going to continue to improve next year. And that's a position that I'm not worried about. Now the safety position, there's a lot of guys coming back. Uh, who's going to step up and be a guy back there? You know, uh, Cole Bishop started off the year on fire. Didn't see a lot of him towards the end of the year. Uh, Sione Vaki really stepped into uh, a role and started to play well, you know, eight tackles for him in that game. Uh, Who's going to, you know, Nate Richie coming home from the mission is a big thing. We've heard a lot about Clayton Isbell as well, the transfer from Illinois State. So there are all these guys that Utah has in that safety room. Who's going to step up and be the leader? And who's going to step up and make sure that those mistakes aren't happening? You know, I I used to get on Vontae Davis all the time for for making those little tiny uh, – uh, Vontae Davis, right? Two years I ago? So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm tripping on that one, but uh, I used to get on Vontae all the time and, and he became an absolute stalwart and a stud because he was always where he needed to be. And you know, we used to say all the time, the best ability is, is dependability. Utah needs some dependable guys on that defense. And I think 
Um, you're starting to see some guys emerge. Part of that dependability is not just sacks, right? It's pressure. Yeah. And you want to get pressure exactly. over and over and over again. And we just didn't see it from Utah. And uh, again, this is a team that's been through a lot the past two years. It was a yes. long season. And we know that bull prep for Kyle Whittingham is a grind. So I, I don't want to take anything away from guys in terms of how they performed in a bowl game. It, it's an exhibition. It's one that you really, truly uh, want to you want to want to win. Um, but at the end of the day, it's it's not the end of the season. There's still so many good things to hang the hats on. There's also a lot of work to be done. 100%. And you mentioned guys, you mentioned Cole, RJ, I think is another guy. They've been, they were one of the better safety tandems in the Pac-12. And you see a lot of the good they've done on the season. But in this game, there was a one tackle in particular. I remember where Cole, it was a big third down. He wasn't able to finish it. We mentioned RJ and his coverage bust there. You just need to be able to make those plays against the best teams. If you are Utah and you want to continue to rise to those new heights as a program. Brian, you also mentioned development. I want to shout out one guy who he still experienced ups and downs, and he did in this game, honestly, too. Connor O'Toole was getting more pressure in this game. He continues to win a little bit more. I feel like all these opportunities that he's gotten have only helped him, and I'm excited to see what he's able to do next year because I'm very encouraged by what I've seen from him. You can still see the growing pains. He's one of the guys that didn't get home in a couple of those key opportunities, but he started to get back there more and create pressure all throughout the season. He's a guy I'm really excited about as it pertains to next year. One guy we can't be excited about as it pertains to next season for the use is Makai Bernard. We're going to come back in a second and talk about Makai announcing he's transferring from Utah and what that means for the program, as well as in general, just what we expect from transfers this Utah offseason in a moment. But first, want to talk to you guys about our friends at UCCU. UCCU is offering a 15-month savings certificate with an incredibly IAPY of 4.00%. Plus, you can jump up to an even higher rate of return anytime during the life of your certificate. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but interest rates and inflation are both on the rise. As if we hadn't noticed. Well, here's some good news. UCCU can help you use this current rise in rates to your advantage. For a limited time, UCCU is offering a 15-month savings certificate with an incredibly high APY of 4.00%. What's a savings certificate? Is that like a savings account? A savings certificate is similar to a savings account. Both are great ways to earn a safe return on your money over time. But here's the difference. Savings accounts typically come with unlimited deposits and withdrawals. But a savings certificate, you just make one deposit, then let your money grow and grow and grow with a fixed rate of return that's much higher than a standard savings account. How much higher? Let's just say a lot higher. Make sure you guys head over to a UCCU branch or visit UCCU.com today to cash in on that 15-month savings certificate with the incredibly high APY of 4.00%. They have a variety of terms and options to match your specific needs. UCCU, love where you bank. Brian, Utah was hit with their first kind of major transfer news earlier this week when it was announced that Makai Bernard is going to be looking for a new home. Bernard been with the team for the past four seasons now. He's had over 500 yards rushing in each of the last two seasons, and we know what he provides as a receiver out of the backfield. He played some of his best football of the season in the Pac-12 championship game and in the Rose Bowl, and a large part of that to me was because he was really just starting to get healthy. It felt like battled some injuries in the middle of the season. He made a big play against Florida early on in the year, too, and uh, I think when you see Mikai leave, I think in some a lot of people thought he was going to the NFL draft. I, I personally was in that camp, but I think it looks like he wants an opportunity to be the guy somewhere because it was going to be him and Jaquindon if he had decided to come back. And it makes sense that he's looking for that opportunity. But um, it does suck if you are Utah to lose a guy who you thought had a chance to come back that was one of your really strong one-two punches to close out the season. He was ended up, you know, basically being the lion's share of, of the carries after the departure of Tavion Thomas. But I think really what it is is he was the most steady running back in the room for the University of Utah for a good part of the season. And um, he has been such a steadying influence in, in a lot of respects. You know, I think it, it feels like a long time ago that Utah played BYU 
and and they were still trying to figure out who was going to be the running back in that game. And and Mikhail was the bright star, and yeah. everybody thought that he was the future. Now he's been a team guy all along. He's been willing to share the reps, yes. be, been willing to play multiple uh, multitudes of roles. Mm-hmm. And and always stepped up to do whatever it is he was asked to do. Now, I will never forget his his touchdown catch in 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 last year's Rose Bowl. But then you contrast that with him having to play cornerback too. <laughs> so it's really hard to ask you know to to look at a guy and be like, man, uh, you know, do more. <laughs> um, especially a guy like Makai. Uh, that being said, you know, I think he is in 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 the mode of exploration yeah and i think that's really important because uh it doesn't necessarily mean that he'll transfer to a different institution per se um he may end up going to the nfl it just kind of depends on how things happen but going into the portal definitely means that he will have um the opportunity to talk to other teams as well and you know for a guy who spent uh, a long time at the University of Utah. He's, he's been here, for, I believe, four or five years, um, and, and and is still in in a pretty young state and, and has done a lot. I can understand wanting to go and try something different. You know, I, I for those of us who have been to grad school, yeah, I, sorry, us, not me. Um, for people who have been to grad school, you understand maybe not wanting to go back to the school that you were at originally and wanting to try something else. Uh, the scape of college football is such to where if a guy is given four years to an institution and done his best and given as much as Makai has, and he wants to leave, wish him the best. 100%. Um, and there are going to be players like that all throughout the course of time here at the university of Utah. There are going to be players that are going to want to make changes. Um, we had this, this necessity to kind of uh, play downplay the younger generation because the older generations didn't get those opportunities. And I think sometimes maybe the problem is the older generations, right? Um, so we have part of the at, younger generation. So you're preaching to me right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm part of the older generation. So I understand a lot of what it is that I deal with in terms of looking at the scape of college football and the way things yeah. are changing. Do I love it? Of course not. I love yeah. these. I love these players. I get attached to them just mm-hmm. like everybody else. Uh, that being said, I, I root for people over laundry, and I want to see the people do great things. Um, and 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 so if Makai's ready to move on, I want to see him do great things wherever he goes. I hope it's not a Pac-12 school. I can't guarantee that. Um, <laughs> but at the bottom, at the end of the day, I guess the comfort that I take from all that is is a Utah fan. And and, and it, Jeff Hansen has the best line, fan influencers, because that's kind of where we're at, right? Half media, half fans. Yeah. Um, as a Utah fan influencer, I, I know what Utah has as a program, and I know they're going to move on, and I knew I know they'll be just fine, uh, and and they will rebound and have a plan B and a plan C and a plan D. You know, at one point in time, people would have, uh, you know, text, look at Jaquin and Jackson. I'll just say it that way. Yeah. So. Nope. Very true. I Brian, um, maybe this is my youth, by the way, uh, but dropping bars on the pod as well. I, I personally haven't heard that. I work for people over laundry. I thought that was woof. I thought that was fire, my friend. I was, that was nice. And one other thing I think is, important. I blacked out. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we mentioned Makai, and Makai is the first, but he's not a single domino. He's gonna a part of a chain of dominoes, basically. As I struck, see, I, you, I need to leave all the metaphors and stuff to you. This episode, keep going. Anyway, knock those dominoes over. <laughs> With Makai, he's the first guy to go. 
He's not going to be the last. It's maybe it'll it might be a couple other players that played a prominent role that surprised us. It might be a couple of younger guys who were waiting to get their opportunity and they might want to try and see if the grass is greener on the other side. I think it is going to be interesting to see what this transfer season looks like for Utah. It's been sweeping college football. I mean, how long ago did Cade McNamara announce he was going to Iowa? That's how long the rest of the college football world has been dealing with this stuff. And it's finally coming into effect for Utah now. And it's happening as quickly as this week, just fresh off the heels of the Rose Bowl, because this is how fast things move. Teams have already started to fill their needs. So if guys want to get in the transfer portal, or want to take those next steps, they need to go and do it. And it's going to be interesting to see how this week shakes out and the weeks to come in terms of transfers, the transfer deadline, the first one being January 19th. It is. And I think the hard part about it is, is, is we would love to speculate on names, but we just don't know timing of it. And we don't know what conversations are going on in the background. And, you know, when, it, when a coach, you know, for example, Chad Bumpfus leaves the program and, and, you know, I think it's a surprise to a lot of people, but it's one of those things where I think you kind of heard some whispers that maybe there were going to be opportunities down the road. Um, it all is so dependent upon other chess moves in a lot of ways, and there are a lot of directions that guys can go. Um, and and so you have to kind of weed through it with um, with a bit of uh, generality, I guess is the word maybe I'm looking for. Like we can't be super specific on, on some, some of this stuff. But I think the overall uh, play is that it comes in phases, you know, and I think that's kind of the point that you're trying to make is, is there's this initial phase where the portal opens and everybody's gone, right? I think it speaks really highly to the character of the program and character of the players at the University of Utah that so many of them waited until the Rose Bowl ended to try and make those moves um, because they respect Coach Whittingham, they respect the their teammates, they respect the program, and nobody wanted to disrupt what was happening in the Rose Bowl. There were a few departures, but it was you know names that like Tyler we Tyler Weegis that you just kind of expected. He's been here for three years, still hasn't been able to put on the weight. You know, it's one of those things. I think the other part of it too is you're going to hear some names and be like, oh my gosh, but there is so much talent in this program. There are going to be some younger guys that are going yeah. to surpass the older ones, and they know it. I think it's really hard sometimes because when you're out on the field or you're you're in it every single day, you know a lot more than other, than other people how hard it is to go up and, and and overcome some of the adversity and and we we tend to want to want guys to stay and fight and we, and we want guys to be on the roster and we want to have depth and we want to have all this kind of stuff and sometimes it's really hard to tell a guy who for three years has has felt the footsteps you know and 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 we don't see a lot of practice for a reason. Um, you know, every single day when he's been in practice and he knows he's starting to slip and lose his spot, that there's another guy coming up. It's, it's really hard to tell that person uh, to stick around and, and just keep going with, with the waves crashing at their backs. Um, so that's kind of a long winded, you know, journey away from what you were talking about. Um, but this is the scape of college football. Now, do things need to change? Does does there need to be new regulation? Does there need to be an evolution with everything that's happened with the portal and NIL and everything else? 100%. And I think yep. you and I have talked about this both privately and yes. on the pod. We need some regulations and, and we need better deadlines. And and that's part of the problem as well is, is that you kind of have to force your way in to the portal in these tight windows. And so you're going to see it happen again come spring. And, and I wouldn't be surprised to see wide receivers you know, enter the transfer portal after spring once a new coach is hired. Um, you know, if there are other coach departures, we used to see a lot of those happen in February because that's after signing day. Yep. Um, 
now it's happening a little bit earlier and, and the Stop carousel open. moves faster. Yeah. And, and so it's just, it's real hard now because um, I think it's, it, it feels like it's, it's too frequent, you know, and then there's too many of these windows that are opening up and too often are guys trying to leave. And so I think really what needs to happen is the NCAA needs to find some way to get some regulation, whether it's going through the feds or getting schools to band together, however it is that they go about doing it. That's really the problem that I see facing this. It's it's not just the Utah problem, and we can talk about locally how it's it's, it's going to happen. You know, yep. I, people loved it when Logan Fonnell committed to Utah, and we're going to hate it when some Utah player commits to yep. BYU. And it's nothing take away. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's just that's part of the game. Um, and it, it's I, I talk about recruiting as being touchdown scored. You know, other teams are going to score during the course of the game, yes. and, and we don't ever want to see it. You know, fans are very fickle, um, and and for good reason, man. They the fans commit a ton of time, effort, energy, money. Like it was yes. not cheap for either of us to get to the Rose Bowl, um, and, and and through all the struggles too. You know, but I would I would never want to miss one of those opportunities. And I told someone on on the phone the other day. I love going and watching my team lose in the Rose Bowl. That's a terrible I mentality. It's true, have. though. <laughs> it is. It's so much fun, and I get to see lots of good people. You know, Nikki Tizzle. I don't know if he's, he's even listening, but it was great to bump into him. And that was like before the game even started. Yep. A lot of people on the on the on the causeways and everything like that. And I love it. it it's great. You see different people too. So it just there's a lot to it that's really positive. And even though we're kind of like still, we're all going to smarm from this loss. You know, it's oh, it's. Sure. I, I remember all the bad losses from when I was really, really young. And, and you go through this enough, especially when you've done it on the coaching side, you know, and when, when I was at Cyprus, we were awful based on our record. You know, I, I, I have a lot of belief in those, those players that I coach, those individuals in our team as a whole. Uh, we just didn't get enough time to overcome everything, uh, yeah. but that's a different story, you know, and, and as you start to go through that stuff, you realize that um, the, the losses are going to come, but like for Utah this year, there were so few losses and, and yeah. so many wins. And that's the stuff that's really great to celebrate. Um, and, and even though this one didn't quite go the way that we wanted it to, um, there's a lot of, a lot of good things on the horizon. I mean, this is still the best recruiting class in Utah history, hands down. And there's a lot to be excited about. There is a lot to be excited about. And I think the last thing I want to bring up is you mentioned the transfer portal and NIL restrictions and all these other kind of things, the changes that need to come in college athletics. We focus so much on the positive aspects of the transfer portal. There are a lot of guys who enter the portal who won't have an opportunity to play college football again. And I think that needs to be more spotlighted. And this is just a general college football program. This is a not talk, but Mackay Bernard is obviously going to have an opportunity to play football again. I mean, come on, what he did at Utah, he's easily going to find home. But there are a lot of other guys some probably play at Utah that will enter the portal just based on the odds and how it goes. And a lot of others that just play college football all over the place that they're not going to have that opportunity. And that is one of the unfortunate things. And we'll see what those changes and regulations and things look like in the future. But grass isn't always greener on the other side. And it's always interesting to see how the transfer portal shakes out, Brian. You know what, man? And I want to close off that because you talk about poetry. That, that One of my favorite phrases, the grass is always greenest where you water it. And that applies to fans too, right? Like you and I sit here behind the microphones and, you know, I've got a green mouse background here that, because this is where I got to water my grass every single day. Mm -hmm. right? I got to do the work here. I can't go do it else anywhere else. And same as fans. So if, if you really want to max maximize your fan experience, everything like that, you know, be right where you are as a Utah fan, be the best fan you can be. Same with all those players out there that want to be at Utah make the most of your time while you're there, whatever happens, happens. And, and 
you know, as I said in my tweet to close things out, you know, um, I, I remember a dilapidated stadium that was built on dirt that would literally slide downhill every single year to where your row got an inch smaller <laughs> every single year when you'd go back to it. Um, and there was AstroTurf and kids playing football in the north end zone. And so if you're old enough to remember that kind of stuff, it is a great time to be a Utah fan regardless. And and change is coming, and change can be a really good thing because change got us from, uh, I think it was 33,000, 34,000 at the old Rice Stadium up until – you know, up to 52,000 now at Rice Eccles and, and it is a beautiful stadium and it is tough to beat, you know, as far as stadium experiences go, I think there's maybe one other that I would rank ahead of Rice Eccles and that's the Rose Bowl. So I 100% agree with that. It is an outstanding place to watch Rice Eccles games and, of course, in the Rose Bowl, too. And, look, Utah football is going to have to wait. By the time this episode comes out, I will say around 235-plus days until they're back playing in Rice Eccles. I know, Brian. (laughs) It's going to be a long haul, but we appreciate you guys watching Locked On Utes, all of you guys who continue to spend time here. This is one of our better weeks overall, even if it was one of the worst weeks for me in the comments section. (laughs) Thank you, Savelles, for the loss. But, overall, we can't thank you guys enough for supporting this show and also want to take a second before we go once again thank you for making locked on your first listen every day also want to thank you for going over and checking out locked on college basketball make sure you check out a brand new podcast locked on college basketball everything you need to know about college basketball in one place you can hear from the biggest names experts insiders coaches and players locked on college basketball available on youtube or wherever you get your podcast brian always great having you on the show and it may be a while till we get the rose bowl but it's not the last time we're hearing utah football news the offseason should be an interesting one it will be and it's always going to be a roller coaster that's part of part of why we love college football it's also why we love the fact that the university of utah has one of the more stable programs and athletic departments in the country you know that that is a great group of people that does a great job and uh it is a great uh we live in a great state of football jd and and i think you know that as well as anybody having seen a lot of football in a lot of different places so uh you know maybe i'll be back around spring ball who knows Uh, i my basketball prowess is just not you know maybe 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 I'll get into gymnastics with Sammy Mora. I don't know. There we'll, we go. we'll find out. But uh, at the very least, there's going to be a lot of football left to play and a lot of football to come. So that's a good thing. Interesting to see how it all plays out. Thanks to Brian again for joining us. Thank you all for joining us all week long on Locked on Utes. Have a great weekend. And as always, go Utes.